0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi. This is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Um, I just want to thank you uh, so much for the faithfulness that many of you have to listen to the podcast. It just uh, means so much to me when I see passionate leaders wanting to learn and to grow and to take a few steps in their journey. One of the things that I know about any leader that has been a profound leader in my life is that they are avid learners and they're always exposing their lives to new content. And so thank you so much for joining Thank you so much for maybe uh, emailing the link to a few people or texting it so people you think that we can help, that they would be out there. Hey, today, I want to talk to you about takeaways from leaders, takeaways from leaders. You know, biblically, what we know is that there are 300 leaders that are mentioned by name or title in the Bible, 300 in the Old Testament and New Testament, 300 names, titles of leaders. And then we know that there are several of these leaders that were given a little bit of background like. And so you'll go over and you'll read the story of all these leaders, and then all of a sudden, God will insert about Jabez, and he'll give us a couple of verses just sort of signifying uh, what God was doing in Jabez's life. Well, that's what I want to do. I want to take a series of leaders from the Bible, and really what I want to look at is the takeaways of what they learned as they were beginning to allow God to speak into their lives, to direct their lives, to follow. Fulfill what it says in Proverbs uh, 3 when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways he'll direct as they were learning to let God direct their life. And so the first leader I want to talk to you about is a man named Eli. Now, Eli uh, is a leader that is well known because he was a priest in the Old Testament, uh, but yet at the same time, he had this unique responsibility of mentoring a young emerging leader named Samuel. And the Eli principle is, um, is this, I have to learn to listen. I have to learn to listen. And what this is going to center on is the story of Eli, is young Samuel for the very first time is beginning to have God speak to him in a very direct way, where he's getting that nudge on his heart. He's getting that that pull within that God's wanting to say something to him. But like most people, Samuel doesn't Realize it's God. So the story unfolds where, um, you know, Samuel's going to sleep. And as he's going to sleep, he, he hears this, uh, voice communicating to him. And he assumes that it's Eli and he runs over and he says, Eli, what is it? And Eli says, it wasn't me. This happens a couple of times. And then Eli recognizes God is beginning to communicate. He's beginning to direct him. And, and he tells young Samuel, he says, next time it happens, just say, Lord, here am I. And and so Samuel is going to begin that initial step of learning. And a couple of things, often God is speaking in our life, but we don't realize it. Because when God speaks to us, it just sounds like someone else talking to us. In Samuel's case, he just thought it was Eli talking to him. He hadn't registered the reality of God wanting to communicate with him and to direct him in a very very uh profound way. Uh and one of the principles that we learn from from Samuel is this is that hearing is not synonymous with listening. Hearing is not synonymous with listening. Jesus used to put it this way, if any man have ears, let him hear. And what he was doing was he was uh, distinguishing between the ability to hear and your willingness to listen. So let me illustrate it this way. If you're married, you know that you have the ability to hear because there's times when your husband or wife will say to you something and um, they will ask you this question. Now, you know, are, are, are you hearing me? And we'll say, yeah, we're hearing. But really the question is, are we listening? Because just because you hear sound doesn't mean you've listened to what was said. And a part of this is what Samuel's going through, is, is learning to distinguish how God is going to move in his life and communicate in his life, being able to distinguish that from all the other voices in life, and being able to understand that just because you hear something doesn't mean that you have listened. Now, listening must be learned. And that's one of the things that we're seeing with Eli and Samuel, learning to listen to what God's doing in your life. It is a learned skill. And one of the things that I know is that profound leaders have learned to listen. But also in here for all of us that are leaders, and maybe we're a little bit further along than other leaders, uh, mature leaders help others learn to listen and to hear. And that's what Eli's doing. So when we begin to look at the Eli principle, we're just seeing that the Eli principle uh, is is just basically, I'm learning to listen. But then there's the Elijah principle. And the Elijah principle is a little bit different because this is something Elijah had to begin to recognize about himself. And that is that when God does speak, God doesn't yell, so don't expect him to. You know, it's interesting in biblical terms how many times, uh, God is doing something in someone's life. And yet in the midst of it, even though it's obviously God, uh, they want something more. So if you go to the New Testament about Zacharias, you know, John the Baptist, uh, dad, uh, that when he was in the priest, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and He's sitting there hearing the announcements that he's going to have this son. Now, it's an angel appearing to him. And yet in the midst of it, he asked, he said, how do I know this is so? And see, that's the way life is. No matter what God does, this guy's talking to an angel and he wants a sign. And that's the way a lot of people are, no matter what God says, they want it to be louder, they want it to be bigger, they want it to be uh more profound. Now, In our society, volume equals importance. That's how we equate things. The louder the volume, the more important. So when a parent gets home at the end of the day, the kids are there. They've learned this. They've learned that volume equals importance. And so they run to dad, they run to mom, and they start getting loud. And they say, oh, mom, dad, hold me. Let me tell you this. And they get louder and louder. Why? Because in our society, loud equals importance. But what God said to Elijah is don't get caught up in the noise because we remember that God took him and he heard an earthquake and then he heard the fire and then he heard the loud wind blowing. And what did God say? God said, I'm not in any of those. All those loud things, things that are shaking our lives, uh, things that seem to be just burning everything to pieces, and then being in a scenario where we're sitting there and, and the wind is just so loud, we can't hear ourselves think. But God said, I'm not in any of those. I'm in that still, small voice. And in our society, it's important never to equate loud for God. Because God doesn't yell, he speaks, he nudges, he guides, he directs. That's who God is. So we have the Eli principle. We have the Elijah principle. Let me take you to the New Testament about another leader. His name's Cornelius. We know that this is going to be the first Gentile that is going to be saved. This is going to be that transforming event. And the Cornelius principle is this, is that God never gossips. And what that means is is God doesn't say something about you to someone else without God saying it to you first. And what we know is there's going to be a unique scenario that's going to happen. God's going to speak to Cornelius to send and get Peter. But while God is sending uh, Cornelius' men To get Peter, Peter is going to be hearing that God wants him to go. So here's what I want you to understand. Um, sometimes people like to spiritually manipulate and what they like to do is say, well, I'm going to tell you something and this is God. But the biblical precedent is, is that God doesn't gossip. He, he doesn't tell, um, you know, Peter something about Cornelius without having first talked to Cornelius, and he doesn't tell uh, Cornelius something about Peter without Peter uh, having heard from God. And so if, if guidance involves two people, he will speak to both of you. And I say that to you because as a pastor, I've watched people who try to manipulate someone and say, God told me to marry you. And, you know, because this person comes across as a little bit spiritual, uh, some young lady or some young kid may just think, hey, you know, this has to be God. God told them. But see, here is what God's saying. I'm not going to tell someone else something about you without having first talked to you. Why? God does not gossip. Uh, If God has told you something, but not the other person, your job is to pray. And what that means is until God speaks to them, you don't do anything. You don't try to run your own game. You don't try to make something happen. If God has told you something, but not the other person, then your job is to pray and say, if this is you, Lord, you can talk to them. I don't have to tell them. See, God's the one who is able to get everyone where they need to go. So the Cornelius principle. Number four is the Naaman principle. Now, Naaman was a, a leader in the Bible, but he wasn't a leader who believed in Jehovah. He was a leader who led an entire army and represented a kingdom. But yet at the same time, he's going to be thrown into an event where he's going to come face to face with God. Uh, and and one of the things that we learned from Naaman is to follow God, you're going to have to lose the attitude. To follow God, you're going to have to lose the attitude. So what that means is this, uh, to hear from God, you're going to need help. You're going to need help. Now, in this particular story, Naaman has come down with leprosy, which was not curable in that day. It just meant that your life was steadily going to become something that was literally being eaten away at. But yet he had this profound position. So what's he going to do? Uh, he's going to, going to go over and he's going to begin to talk to Elijah. But Elijah's not going to go talk to him. He's going to send out his servant. Well, Naaman's a high leader. And you know what? Leaders like being respected. They like people noticing them. And let me just be honest, I'm around a lot of Christian leaders, and they like being respected. But that's all right. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And we always need to be respectful to people who uh, have done things that we haven't done. So we always give honor based on that. And and so Elijah's going to send back word through the servant, go dip in this river seven times and you'll be healed. But it's going to infuriate Naaman because Naaman... Uh, is used to getting treated well and getting access to opportunities that others don't get access in. So in the midst of this, uh, he's going to be really frustrated. Now, because he doesn't feel like he's being honored, he's in a place where he's mad and he's about to miss a miracle. So let me say this to every leader. Anger causes us to miss miracles. It was Moses' anger that caused him to miss the promised land. It is Naaman's anger that is going to cause him to miss his healing if he doesn't change. But what's going to change him is there's a little Hebrew girl that works in his home. And she's going to come to him and she's going to say uh, to Naaman, Sir, if he were to ask you to do something hard, you would do it. If he were to ask you to go conquer something, you would do that in a second. All he's asking you to do is to go dip in a river. Why don't you do it? See, to follow God, he needed some help. Now, uh, I think I said this on another podcast recently. Um, I was reading some information uh, about the Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo painted, and you know, it's 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 literally you know once in a lifetime work of art that he achieved there. But for that to be achieved, he needed help. And what most people don't understand is that uh, he needed help with this theology because the picture is the theology of God and man. And so you see God reaching out to man. And that whole thing was helped by a monk whose specialty was theology. And so as Michelangelo was designing it, he needed his help. Now, Michelangelo's famous for it. The monk who really constructed the theology is not well known, but that's all right. The little Hebrew girl, we don't know her name. We know Naaman's name. And let me just say, if for God to use you, um, everyone has to know your name, maybe you need to get saved because most people get used by God. They get forgotten, but God doesn't, and that's all right. So if I could illustrate with a friend of mine, Craig Rochelle. Uh Craig is just an amazing, profound leader. I love and admire him so much and, and believe that he's just created so many opportunities uh, to expand the kingdom. But Craig will tell you that um, his whole journey of how he structured church happened because of a meeting with Lyle Schaller. And uh, Lyle just basically created new possibilities for him. Now, what I can tell you about Craig is that he was a profound leader before Lau, and he was an individual who really had context before then. But but here's the thing. He needed someone to help him, because if we're not careful, that name and attitude can get on. Well, why didn't they do it this way? Why didn't they do it that way? I can't tell you why God does things certain ways, but I can tell you, if you're going to walk with God, you can't have an attitude. Number five, the Paul principle. And the Paul principle is this, is that God's plan is progressive. God's plan is the progressive. And we see this so vividly in Paul. In Acts chapter 9, we see when Paul has this confrontation with God, he's literally riding on his donkey and he gets knocked off and he's just laying there and this great light begins to shine around him and he hears the voice, you know, uh, why, why are you doing this? Why are you uh, doing this to me? And it's God taking personal uh, the affliction that Paul has been causing for Christians and And we see a few things that happen there and and we know that God's beginning to deal with Paul, and God's beginning to direct him, and it's going to all involve to going to a certain house and a man named Ananias go. Remember God tells both sides, he told Paul where to go, he told Ananias what to do, God doesn't gossip. You see another scenario of that, but if you go over to acts twenty six Paul recounts those experiences on the road to Damascus. And while he's recounting that, the detail is so much broader and deeper. From Acts 9 to Acts 26, the same event. And here's the thing. God's plan is progressive. The longer we walk in it, the clearer the details become. And that's one of the things that Paul shows out, is that at first, it was like you're starting here and you're going here and you're ending here. But now we have all these nuances between here, there, and there in Acts 26. Uh, the sixth example would be uh, the Peter principle. And that is God doesn't always tell us what we want to hear. God doesn't always tell us what we want to hear. And this is going to involve Jesus speaking to Peter um, after his resurrection and he's going to see Peter and he's going to tell him about his future. And he says, one day you're going to die. Well, Hey, we all know that. We just don't like it being prophesied over us, especially by our Lord and savior. And, and, and then he not only tells him he's going to die, but he tells him how he's going to die. And he recognizes that that's going to be a pretty hard death. And so Peter sort of pushes back against that, and the way he does is he doesn't want to say, hey, what about, uh, you know, uh, me? But he sees John, the other disciple, and he says, well, what about him? And here Peter is hearing something that he doesn't like, and so what he does is he begins to ask about someone else. And that's always our tendency. Why aren't we treated like someone else? But see, sometimes God's not going to tell you everything that you want. Uh If I could be a little bit transparent, I've done this now for almost 42 years. And, you know, there were things when I started in ministry that I really, 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 really wanted to achieve. And a lot of those, if I look back, dealt with, you know, uh church size, church dimensions, church influence, and... Honestly, um, a lot of those things haven't happened. They are what I wanted to happen. And I've had to realize that I was going to be the person who wouldn't be known in the largest platforms, but would be known behind the scenes. And for me, like everyone else, being known for the platform was really what I wanted. But I live in a community where... My church isn't the largest church. Now, my church is a large church, but it's not the largest in our area. I have nearly uh, 15 megachurches within three miles of me if you start going in three-mile directions. And a lot of those megachurches are way bigger than us. They're the ones that when you guys come to town, you want to go see them. You don't want to come see ours. And all of that can be a little bit hard, but that's all right. What Jesus asked Peter is, he says, what if I did say something to you? Will you be faithful to me whether anyone else is faithful or regardless of what happens with anyone else? So there's that principle. The seventh principle is the Abraham principle. God tells us what's next. He does not tell us everything. God tells us what's next. He does not tell us everything. This is one of those hard principles because we live in a day where we can Google anything. We can get a million responses to any question that we ask. We can Google through those responses and get basically any answer we want. We can uh, proof check ourselves. But here's the thing. When God leads, he leads you by steps. So when it came to Abraham, it was going to be this way. Abraham, I need you to leave your country. I need you to leave your family. And what we're told about Abraham is that by faith, Abraham went, not knowing where he was going. See, some people, if they don't have all the answers, they won't take a step. But faith isn't about having all the answers. Faith is about taking one more step than you took yesterday. So for Abraham, he didn't know everything that was ahead, but that's all right. God was ahead. He didn't know everything that would happen, but that's all right. God was going to be with him no matter what happened. He didn't know everything that would occur, but that's all right. God was going to be there in the midst of anything that occurred. And so the Abraham principle is this: if you've got to have all the answers, you got to learn that God leads us one step at a time. You're not told everything. Someone says, why doesn't God tell us everything? He tells you enough that you can have faith for. If you knew everything in your life ahead of time, most of us would be overwhelmed, and we wouldn't think that we could handle it. So, seven principles, takeaways from leaders. Number one, the Eli principle. Number two, the Elijah principle number three, the Cornelius principle, number four, the Naaman principle, number five, the Paul principle, number six, the Peter principle, and number seven, the Abraham principle. Maybe you can consolidate these together and do an exam on your life and say, which one of these principles are you living right now? And which one of these principles do you need to learn how to be a little bit more gracious to God in because your tendency is not to want to react to that particular principle? God leads people. God directs people. God guides people. I know he's doing that for you. And I know that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Guys, let me um, just say Merry Christmas to you. Christmas is just a week away. I pray for you, your family. I pray for your congregations, if you're pastors, that this will be the best Christmas ever. That being said, after the first of the year, I start traveling again. And man, the number of events I'll be participating in are just uh, growing steadily on a regular basis. Uh, But I do roundtables. And to me, roundtables are the most profound thing I do because it gives me a chance to be in a room with a group of leaders and interact with them and answer questions and I love that. So, I have some round tables coming up. I have the one that happens here in Texas at my church in Plano and that happens towards the end of January. I have one that's going to be happening uh the very first of February in Seattle and then towards the middle of February in Orlando. And then uh, I have one the very first of March in Albuquerque, and then there's a lot more after that and a lot of other events. What I would encourage you to do is that I've learned that if I'm going to be a leader, leadership is tied to proximity. When I put myself in rooms with great leaders, I become a better leader. And I want to encourage you to put yourself in the room. Yeah, you can listen to the podcast, but leadership is caught as much as it's taught. And when you're in the room with high-level leaders, people who've led for a long time, that helps you. So I want to encourage you to go to Gerald Brooks Ministries. You can sign up there for any of these roundtables or even the ones down the line. I also want to encourage you uh, to take another step. And that is we have some resources. We have our flash drive. I've mentioned it. It's 40 lessons. All the Sunday lessons have the outlines with it. Uh, the lesson on Back to the Future, which is a study of the book of Revelation. If you haven't ever taught uh, Revelation from the 3D perspective, uh, you need to jump on that. And then my newest book, uh, If Paul Were Your Life Coach, 10 Things Paul Would Say to You. It's great content. And it would be easy for your pastors to teach. Hey, have a great Christmas. I love you. Thank you for continuing to grow and our Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.